the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. The shipping industry's acronym soup of representative bodies have been going through a period of reflection of late. The fragmented nature of their membership and the scale of the generational shift ahead of them have been challenging, to say the least. So, a changing of the guard at an institution like the esteemed International Chamber of Shipping, which, lest we not forget, represents 80% of the world's merchant fleet, well, it offers an opportunity to reflect. Emmanuel Grimaldi, managing director of the Grimaldi Group, took over from outgoing chairman Espen Poulsen this week. So, as the Chamber was celebrating its 100th birthday, young whippersnappers that they are, we took the opportunity to catch up with Mr Grimaldi and quiz him on the challenges of representing the shipping industry at this crucial juncture in our history. Given that Saturday marks 2022's Day of the Seafarer, when we recognise the contributions of the 1.8 million hard-working crew members who sail the global fleet, that is exactly where we started. As somebody who employs crew was on more than 100 ships, Mr Grimaldi knows only too well the value of their work, but he also knows that we have an issue. As the demand for shipping booms, we are facing a shortage of seafarers to meet it. Definitely, uh, this work is a uh, hard work. It is not easy. Our uh, seafarers are uh, often far from their families and... Uh, Particularly, these two years have been extremely hard on them. And I think that uh, particularly many governments have not done what they should have done for the seafarers. Because the seafarers have permitted to keep the rest of the world working on, uh, on, uh, from home. Uh, virtually, but the, you have, we must have had somebody that was moving the goods from one place to the other of the world. And I think this happened uh, thanks to the seafarers. But often they were not even permitted to, to go to hospital in many countries when they were sick on board. In uh, many cases, they were not repatriated because there was no flight to go back to their own country. Uh, often, uh, of course, if you were sick on board of a vessel without a doctor, uh, this has been extremely hard on them. And we must learn from this lesson and uh, I think make sure that uh, not only that we treat them uh, in a better way, but also that governments treat them in a better way and I think also they should have received a high priority on vaccination which not necessarily they have received from many flag states and from many states when the vessels were involved. So I think this has not helped to market this type of activity among the people who are working particularly in some countries that they're extremely important in providing maritime seafarers. And, uh, I think that we, we have to rethink this and uh, we have to make sure that uh, also that uh, seafarers have a better treatment and that this type of work becomes uh, more attractive for the people. 
the last BIMCO ICS survey obviously pointed out a shortfall in terms of officers coming into the industry. Do you think we have a, a, a crisis looming for the industry coming down the line? <laughs> this is very difficult to say because uh, whilst there is today, and we are sure that uh, probably we are talking about over 25,000 officers, there is a, therefore a big shortage today. But also we are talking about the possibility that some ships may, may be autonomous in the future. So it's very difficult to see if the legislative part and uh, other constraints that might exist for having vessels uh, who don't need seafarers. This, this needs to be done, but we know that the technology is there. And uh, we know that there are some autonomous vessels that are, are operating uh, between fjords. Uh, this is already happening. So it's very difficult to predict the, the medium long term, but I am sure that we need this first, and I am sure that uh, uh, this profession uh, it's extremely important also for having people in the maritime career that have the understanding of the ships and have the understanding. Many seafarers are extremely useful in the port, in, uh, in the shipping uh, company. So uh, the maritime career will be there and uh, definitely we will need this effect. What will be the prediction in the medium long term? I think is something that I cannot because it, it depends too much on the the legislative framework. Mm. We have to change everything in case we have an accident in there tomorrow. Who is responsible? Google. Uh, it will be responsible. Uh, the ship owner or uh, going to be extremely from a from a the. the I think the, the, the entire law of the sea has to change if we have autonomous ship. Understood. Um, you have this week um, taken over as chair of the International Chamber of Shipping, taken over from Espen Poulsen, who has uh, obviously steered a course and 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 uh, prioritised uh, an agenda that is you know reforming, but looks to the future in terms of decarbonisation and digitalisation. There's no shortage of challenges that you have inherited there. Can you perhaps, you know, give us the highlights in terms of what your agenda is as the chair of ICS and where you see the biggest challenges ahead? I think the digitalization inevitably will happen and it is in the interest of the shipping companies for many, many reasons. The artificial intelligence will be there also for uh, having a higher productivity and uh, to have the understanding of uh, the markets, probably even to have a more efficient vessel from uh, the fuel. But that said this, I think the, the real most interesting part is the uh, environmental part, I think. Our association, the ICS, and uh, all the national associations who are part of the ICS are working very hard 
on this. And I think what is unprecedented is also that we moved and we are ahead even of the regulators. This is something unprecedented, historical. So that shows that uh, the ambition of the ship owner and uh, of ICS is very high indeed. We need to move because we are very much concerned that uh, instead the regulation will be extremely difficult even from an administrative point of view. To, 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 if we will have rules in Europe, rules in the Far East, rules in California, rules uh, for a ship owner, it's going to be extremely complicated also to comply with those rules. Well, we, we have obviously seen this week the European Parliament vote in uh, a draft text of the European Emissions Trading Scheme that's expected to be ratified by uh, the Council in a, a sort of there or thereabouts manner in terms of the wording. We're obviously not at the final stage of that process yet, but what is clear is we have a whole new body of administration for shipping to deal with. Now, you as a, a European ship owner know better than most that that burden is going to require new ways of doing things. It is going to require cost. I mean, do you think that this fragmentation of European policy versus global is causing problems for shipping? Inevitably, if this will is going to happen, it will create, because I'm sure that apart from Europe, other parts of the world will mutate what will be applied in Europe, but probably in a different way. So it will become extremely complicated to manage all this uh, from a ship owner point of view. This is going to be extremely complicated. And, uh, instead, I think not only the International Ship Owner Organization, the ICS, but I think that uh, all the national ship owner organizations have advocated uh, that the best solution would be uh, an international uh, market-based measure. That is what we have been advocating. Even EXA has been advocating a, a market-based measure to apply, probably a lady. So uh, I think there is general consensus and uh, and. Uh, and there is no lack of responsibility from the ship owners. We understand that this will accelerate the change. We know very well that, and we understand why this levy should be paid to accelerate the transition. And we are very conscious and responsible about uh, the issue. I listen and uh, yesterday we had a board meeting and I think all the national associations were participating from all over the world. They are all, uh, they, they are, they, there is a very big consensus on that. Mm. Uh, on that issue of representation, you've obviously, you know, taken over at the ICS and there is an increasing reliance on bodies like the ICS and BIMCO and EXA and Intercargo and Intertanko to get over the nuance of some of these regulations and to, to be able to engage with not just Brussels but you know other supranational bodies um, to ensure that shipping's voice is heard. But we often find that there is 
a lot of infighting, a lot of you know disagreement between the bodies themselves. Do you think that the industry needs to do a better job at consolidating some of its representation? And and to that extent, how does ICS you know fit into that equation? I am afraid that I cannot agree on this. <laughs> no, I I, I, believe, I firmly believe that uh, the maritime industry, as far as this environmental choice, we are very much united. I think we have been speaking as a united voice. And uh, of course, this the different association, of course, they are taking care of different businesses and they have uh, we talk about ferries. The ferries are uh, one thing, of course, the cargo ship, the tankers, they have different types of uh, business. And uh, But on these environmental issues, we have all agreed that we want a levy. And we have all agreed that we were ready even to start taxing ourselves and having uh, some uh, environmental fund that would help the transition. Unfortunately, this didn't happen, but this shows that we are united and this shows that we are responsible, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I must say that uh, I, I didn't expect this to happen. So uh, uh, perhaps I was start before I would have thought what you just said before that, uh, that that we are fragmented and that we would come with different. Uh, but this was not the case. It was a sort of a miracle that we decided to be so responsible and to go together and uh, wanting also something to happen and quickly and uh, to be above the regulators themselves and ask for for uh, this levy to be introduced and uh, also in the near future. That it has to be progressive is also very important because we cannot expect immediately to have a big levy to do what? Since the solution is not available, I think uh, what we understood also is that we will have multiple solutions uh, that uh, probably hydrogen, when I, we, we can have a clean and uh, hydrogen will be probably an answer also the ammonia that is part of the same family that we are developing and quickly carbon capture we are working my own company is working together with Varsia to see how we can capture our own emissions and there are uh, several other uh, possibilities we could, we cannot exclude nuclear there are several possibility to address, but unfortunately they will not come tomorrow. We have to be realistic. And in due course, of course, if this levy will, uh, of course, accelerate our effort on one side, but it, 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 on the other side, it would be extremely important that this money is spent in developing the new the new technologies. This is what we really want. Understood, understood. Um, on, on that issue of the united voice of the industry, which you clearly believe exists, we obviously saw 
a similar united approach from the industry when it came to the crewing crisis. Uh, and I know the ICS was working closely with the unions and all of the other bodies. And yet, we lacked as an industry the required voice to make a difference at a at a governmental level. There were just bigger priorities at play. Do you think the industry is suffering from a, a lack of visibility at a at a government level uh, globally? And, and and what can we do about that to try and give the industry a little bit more clout in some of these negotiations? As far as the uh, ICS is concerned, I think, and I can speak about this because I have been a member for many years and I was also a vice president during the last uh, four years. And uh, I, I think the, the, the association has made a tremendous effort under the chairmanship of Esben and uh, the good work of uh, Guy, I think that uh, as a matter of fact, we are much more present and we are much more visible than we were before. So I think it is true that uh, unfortunately the, the ships are not so visible, like for instance land transport. Although probably in the world trade, we are even more important because we move 80% of the goods. But uh, said this, everybody sees the cars, everybody can see the, the trains, everybody can see because they are more visible. Uh, many of our ships are in the middle of the ocean. It has to do also with, uh, with our industry that uh, we are not so visible. We, we, we have to make an effort on this, and we, we know that, and we are uh, working very hard uh, on this. But I think that uh, we are moving in the right direction to have, uh, to be more present and to work uh, more, to be understood. But also the other thing is that probably we are not so much of a problem. I think that many governments have understood this, that whilst we have to address, of course, and we have to improve. Today, in the end, although it's important, our emissions are only close to 2%. And if, for instance, uh, we would exaggerate in taxing and finding solution whilst the solution is not available against the shipping, we might have also a perverse remodel shift, which would mean that uh, we would bring back on road traffic that today are at sea. This wouldn't help at all. So we have to be careful also, particularly because, uh, for instance, in Europe, where they will make, where this tax will exist, this, this, this new emission trading scheme, most of the business to the small island uh, all over Europe is on a public service obligation. That means that uh, the government are paying for it. So uh, what will happen? From one side, they will tax with one hand and we, uh, with the other hand, they, they will have to give more because otherwise some of the services will be closed. A lot of the ferry industry to the islands today is sponsored. 
that applies to all the Italian islands, to the Greek islands, to the Balearic islands, to the to the islands in the north, Gotland, and many others. They, they are all subsidized. Yeah. And then, what about motorways of the sea? We have been working so hard to develop traffic and uh, to go from uh, land to sea, and then probably with this huge tax that will, uh, which I believe is, it will be around about four five hundred dollars per tons of fuel, you might have a perverse remodel shift and get back all uh, the trucks on the road. Will that be <laughs> a good result? So I think we have to be very careful in what we are doing. Whilst we find the solution, because you will have the tax, probably some lines will close down, the traffic will go back on the street, we will congest the motorways, and uh, we will not address the issue. And I think Europe has to understand all this. I understand that, uh, at least in Parliament, most of the people want uh, a transition, a slow transition, starting from 10-20% of the of what will be the emission trading scheme in facing in period. But let's see what we do. Indeed. I, and it's the reality that you describe. You, you have that long term ambition in terms of you know zero fuel future and, and the industry is working towards that future. But the reality for ship owners right now is there are no good choices. There are pragmatic choices and flexibility that you can invest in. but realistically you're looking at the least worst uh opportunities to buy and sell and to uh invest in efficiency measures of the existing fleet because we will be left with that existing fleet for some years to come there are technology that can reduce at least 50 percent so if we do the right investment today i am only building ships that have 50% of the footprint of, and I have 25 vessels under construction. And all my new ships will have a footprint that is less than 50% of the existing one. And you could go down in certain cases also to only one third of them. So there are devices, economies of scale, new technology, hydrodynamic, paintwork, radars, uh, propellers that can do the difference. And I think that is fantastic because that, because that is the best saving because it's, you don't need the energy or you will need half of the energy to move your ships and your vessels. So that is a fantastic goal because whatever fuel you will need, if you can get away with 50% of that, that I think will be very good in any case. And uh, today there are these technologies. So during these years, we still can do a lot. Although that will not be the final solution. That, that is clear. Okay. Um, uh, a final point, if you wouldn't mind. The, 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 your, your tenure at the ICS, could you, could you give us a few sort of top level ambitions? What, what do you want to achieve in this position? I think that, of course, we have been talking about it. First of all, is to have 
the people working in the business happy, seed fairs, and uh, also to have uh, companies that will uh, make some uh, technological uh, development, both in the safety, security, and uh, environmental field. So, but they come together. I think when we talk about uh, new ships, on the new ships, uh, you have uh, better firefighting, uh, for instance, uh, devices on board. Therefore, and of course, they are more environmental friendly. So uh, with this uh, technological development, I think uh, we can reach most of our goals. Uh, I'm afraid that, uh, that the difficulty in uh, understanding the regulatory framework are making the ship owners a bit shy in investing in new vessels because many of them not understanding what will be the new regulatory framework. They don't know how <laughs> what they should do. And perhaps they are not investing. And this is not helping. I think I really hope that very soon, in the interest of all parties concerned, that very soon the IMO will come out with a levy that will be applied to all the shipping companies and uh, progressive. And uh, we will know as ship owners where we stand and how we can invest in the future, and uh, that will help also the transition. Today, this uncertainty is not helping anybody. Wonderful. Uh, Mr. Grimaldi, thank you very much for joining the Lois List podcast. I, I really appreciate thank it. And thank you. And there we shall leave it for another week. Apologies for the less than ideal sound quality on this week's edition. Sadly, Mr. Grimaldi was unable to physically get in front of the Loiseless microphone and those digitalisation ambitions of his are yet to extend to the ICS phone system. An interesting conversation nonetheless, and we will watch carefully his progress at the helm of shipowner representation. And of course, a fond farewell to the outgoing chair, Esmond Poulton, from the podcast team. We will be back next week with more audio insights for you. But for now, thanks for listening and have a good week.